If you're responsible for backup and DR, at some point someone is going to tell you about their amazing product based on continuous data protection or CDP. They say they can meet an RTO and an RPO of zero, which sounds great. Why don't we do all backups and DR using this method? Hi, I'm W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup, and I started this podcast to turn unappreciated backup admins into cyber recovery heroes. This episode will answer all your questions about CDP, which some say is the next great thing in DR. This is the Backup Wrap-Up. Hi, and welcome to the show. And once again, I have a guy who cost me money, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? I'm good. I'm worried about what I'm going to be blamed for now. Well, I think I think that, you know, the, the fact that I have new AirPods is your fault. What do you think? So, uh, no. The fact I, that I you think, lost your AirPods I think, I think that you manifested it. You were suggesting that I needed new AirPods, and I think my current AirPods got upset, and then they literally flew out of my pocket. <laughs> They're like, doo, 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 doo. yeah, it was the weirdest thing. Like I, I had, like I, I, I've done really good job with like holding on my AirPods, and then I was, that- I was at a restaurant, and um, you know, having a date with my lovely wife it was great. And Aww. I pulled pulled the thing out of my pocket, and literally the case like flipped, like open, and the AirPod just went flying. And I don't. It was it was such a weird thing that I didn't even realize it happened when it happened. And it wasn't until I got home and I realized that both my AirPods were, were no longer in it. And uh, yeah, so I just like in a moment like that, I lost my AirPods. So I think what you need is a case that has one of those clasps on it, right? So you have to undo the clasp in order for it to open. Oh, oh. <laughs> right. Because okay. just the normal silicon ones, I don't think will be sufficient for you. Yeah, apparently not. But hey, I've but, got the new, but, the new fancy AirPods Pro Generation 2 USB-C, which really should be called Generation 3. But, you know, because I had to very specifically make sure that I bought the one with the USB-C. Yeah. Well, it's because the actual thing is the same. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, I know. It's just like I, I, I was going to buy it at Costco, but Costco only has the uh, the older version. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Tough life but you li- live, Curtis. Uh, I'm, I'm just waiting to listen to what I'll be blamed for next. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, we're speaking of blaming, we got blame to go around. I, I I think we should take credit for this for this piece of news. What do you think? <laughs> oh, Curtis. Yes, it's our ability to expose to the listeners, hey, here's what ransomware is that yeah, I think you're right. We You think but you think it but is it a good or a bad thing though? That's my question, this article. Well, I actually think it's a good thing. Let's so let's talk about it. So the the headline and it's from a story in the register. Ransomware attacks register 
it's, it's a bit, it's funny. I realized that the word register was in the title and it messed me up there. Ransomware attacks register record speeds thanks to successive InfoSec industry. So when I first heard that, I was like, wait, I, you know, I, that one, that one literally uh, threw me. So the subtitle here is dwell times drop to hours rather than days for the first time. So first off, do you want to explain what a dwell time is for those of our listeners that don't know? Yeah. Yeah. So in the past with ransomware, I think before it used to be measured, like you said, in days, like four and a half to five and a half days in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Right. But this is basically the amount of time that ransomware is in your system. So someone has attacked, infiltrated your systems. They've dropped a package. It hasn't done anything, though. Right. Right. It's just sitting there and waiting. Right. And. There is now while it's waiting, it could be discovering other things, figuring out what's important, what's not. But while it's waiting, there's always a risk that it could be detected, it could be destroyed. And so previously, like you were saying, four and a half, five and a half days for the dwell time that it would just sit in your environment, not doing anything. Yeah, I remember when I don't know if there's a difference. Well, there's definitely a difference between the average and the mean. But I remember when the mean dwell time was measured in many days, right? Like, yeah. like it was like as high Weeks. as 45. Yeah. Right. And now they're saying that the, uh, um, you know, this time, and I don't know if they're using mean or average, but uh, it says it's down to 24 hours. And they're yep. saying, and in more than 10% of the incidents, it was deployed within five hours. The ransomware was, the, you know, the actual ransomware part was done within five hours of the initial attack. Yeah, which is good, right? Because like the title said, that means people are detecting it faster, right? And ransomware crews and ransomware as a service affiliates, right? They realize, yeah, we can't just let it sit there. We have to be in and out as quickly as possible. Right. Yeah. And, and that's that's why the headline they're saying, well, because we've gotten better at detecting it, they've they've basically had to realize they've had to, you know, once they're in then they got to do bad stuff right away. Otherwise, they're going to they're going to get detected. The, um, go ahead. Another interesting fact I saw in the article was I know we always talk about like double extortion, right, right. where someone comes in, they encrypt your environment but they also exfiltrate data right so now you have to pay right because otherwise who wants to have their data released i think actually as we're recording this there is a company that is potentially going to have their data exposed because they decided not to pay the ransomware operators right right and that's a double extortion now in the article though they said that the times number of times that they're seeing double extortion from the people they've surveyed is only 13% of the time. That seems really low, but given you only have 24 hours, maybe it makes sense. They don't have enough time to do more damage. Right. Yeah. That, that, and I see that as good news as I'm sure you understand because the, the actual, the thing I'm worried most about is the um, exfiltration because backup just can't help in that right uh once the data has been exfiltrated 
all, all bets are off. So I saw that as good. And that part came from the annual threat intelligence report from Microsoft. So that that is really interesting, though, is that um, I, I, the other reason why I think this is a good thing is that the shorter the dwell time, the easier the recovery. So when you have a dwell time measured in days or weeks and you're doing something along the way, especially if you're encrypting data along the way, how do you recover from that, right? There's no, the, the, the good point in time is three weeks ago, right? Yeah. Do, you, do you really want to recover your primary file server, for example, this was the one I was always worried about. If you encrypt VMs, if you encrypt databases, it's easy to notice the moment you encrypt anything, everything stops working and you know when the point in time is. But if you talk about a file server or someone's workstation that has a lot of files on it, if you're able to encrypt data over time and not be noticed, restoring that is significantly more complicated than restoring an encryption attack that takes place over hours. So I think this is a much better uh, scenario. It, it does mean we have to continue to stay vigilant and to make sure that we're continuing to detect so that they continue to have dwell times this small. And this also goes to the importance of backups, right? Because if it does hit, like you were saying, you want to be able to restore. And so if you don't have a backup that you can restore from, then you're going to lose data. Right. There, there was a num- another thing here that they were saying that, you know, because of ransomware as a service uh, businesses, that they actually, it says in June, they broke the single month record for ransomware attack thanks to a single exploit, uh, the MoveIt MFT exploit, which I actually don't know much about, but that single exploit allowed them to uh, break the record of the number of attacks in a month that doesn't sound good. None of yes. this sounds good, I guess. It's just, I do like a quicker attack because a quicker attack is, I think, easier to defend against, or let me rephrase that. A quicker attack is easier to recover from. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. also, yeah. 100% agree with you, Curtis. So- what so do you still want to claim credit because of our podcast that we're it's, it's helping due improve? To, it's due to well, how much we have gotten the word out there that long dwell times are bad, that the attackers have made short dwell times. We don't, so you know, any attackers, so any attackers out there, if you would like to come on the podcast and talk about this, please reach out and let us know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Um, w- once again, another thing from here, once again, the two highest profile attacks of 2023 were the result of unpatched infrastructure, right? Um, another thing we like to talk about on the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, MFA, patcher systems, do backups. Exactly. That would stop the vast majority of ransomware attacks that we see. Yeah. Well, with that, that is the news of the day. 
This week's episode is a continuation of our Back Up to Basics series. And this week, we're going to be talking about a, a, a product category that at one point was red hot. <laughs> was it not? Do you remember when this product category was red hot? Like everybody had to have a CDP I, product? Do you remember? I want to say it was like 2002. Yeah. What I remember was being at Storage Networking World and half of the booths were CDP products. <laughs> I remember what is CDP, okay. Curtis, for our listeners? These, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in just a second. But just the, 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 the sheer number, I remember thinking, all of these can't succeed. Definitely. And little did I know that pretty much almost none of them uh, would succeed. Uh, so I want to say there's let's like talk about four this. left in the world. Yeah, there's really well, and and most of them got acquired, acquired. and are are simply a, a checkbox on on yep. another product's portfolio. So what is CDP? It stands for Continuous Data Protection, and this was a you may recall in a previous episode we talked about replication, and what as far as I'm concerned. What is the primary problem with date with replication as a data protection or a basically a replacement for backup? What's the primary problem with it? Whatever you do here happens here. Exactly. <laughs> it is very efficient in replicating stupidity, right? Uh, or 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 ransomware attacks or anything in any sort of cyber attack. So replication is great at giving you a an rpo of zero right a recovery point objective of zero but it's also going to replicate things that happen on a mm -hmm. logical level um and so cdp was born and i describe CDP as replication with a back button. What, what do you think of that that definition? I like it, but I used to think I used you know what I used to call CDP. What I was like, it's TiVo for your data. Yeah, that. But that was uh, I remember. I remember vendors describing it like yeah. that. Uh, the problem is now nobody knows what TiVo is. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why I said for the five listeners who may know what TiVo is and for the two of us, since we both had TiVos, right? Right. We understand that name. And also, yeah. if you do watch Psych, there is references to TiVo as well. Are there TiVo references in Psych? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you would know better because you've been you've been binging Psych lately. So. But 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 the, yes, I agree with your point. It is a back button for replication. And specifically right. what you mean is replication, you have that one copy with CDP, you can go backwards from that one copy to other points in time. Yeah, the the reason why I call it replication with a back button is that, is that the process of getting the data cuz we've discussed that I I see all of these things as backup Right. Yeah. A lot of people see backup is, well, putting something on tape or the a, a backup that changes its format. Right. Yep. A lot of people 
try to define sort of old school backup <laughs> as something that requires a restore, you know, d different ways to try to define what old school backup is. And I just see that as a, that is the old way we did backup. This is now a new way that we do backup. Backup is just a method of putting the data in a different place so that we can restore it in, in time of uh, something bad happening. Yep. And this is one of the newer ways. And the, the thing is, unlike traditional backup, CDP is not a batch process. Traditionally, backup ran once a night. Sometimes you might run it multiple times a day. You could run it once an hour. You could run it every five minutes. <laughs> a Traditionally, backup is a batch process. CDP, by definition, that C is that it is happening continuously. All the time. All the time. Just like replication. Although we had some, there were some finer points there where we just, <laughs> <laughs> where you and I were trying to argue about on what continuous means. And th the idea is that it is happening truly continuously. Every time a block of data that is changed on the primary system, it gets replicated to the target system immediately. Now, immediately, you know, we, we, we can yeah, talk we about can the different that. ways That's that fine. this happens, yeah. but, but basically this is, it's not a batch process. It's happening continuously throughout the day. Yep. And then we can talk about how that is stored on the other end. Uh, how Are you okay with that part of the definition? Yeah. yeah. I'm good with that. And I think the one other thing we should touch on is as technologies have evolved, so has CDP in the sense of we could talk about where in the stack you're actually triggering or forwarding IO and the data from typically, right? And way back in the day, right? All these CDP vendors, when you were probably at the SNEA, right? It was all, okay, here's an appliance that you mm -hmm. put in, right? The rights might come into it, get split off, go to two different places, right? Mm -hmm. That's one method that some people would do to make sure you have two copies continuously replicating, Another method that some vendors have used is you sort of write to your primary, the primary forwards it off to an appliance or to something else, which then writes it on the target system, right? That's another mechanism people did. All of that is sort of infrastructure level down at the storage array or networking level. Actually, some people even did it at like the storage area network level, right? Where they would have that right. appliance in the middle, right? And basically that's that first use case where you would write to two different storage arrays. The other thing moving up the stack, right, is with virtualization, people were like, hey, the same challenges you had with sort of storage level CDP, let's do that at the VM level as well. And so you had technologies that would allow you to split rights at a VM level. You could forward it off to another ESXi cluster in a different location and have a continuously replicated VM somewhere else. Right. Basically, they, they all... The, the concept was the same. The question is, at what point are we going to split the right yeah. and then take one copy and send it where we would always send it to the primary storage and the other copy of that right gets sent to some magic <laughs> process or box or whatever that will then store it for CDP purposes. Yep. And 
Sometimes it can happen in the storage array. There, there have been boxes that you can buy that go between your storage array and your server. Sometimes it might be an independent, you know, that box might be an actual appliance. It might be a piece of software, right? We had Datacore on here. Datacore was yeah. one of those vendors that you can put the box in, you know, their software on a box in between your uh, storage array and your server. And uh, it might be in, like you said, it might be in the hypervisor. It might even be in the cloud. It might be something that's being done in the cloud. But the idea is that basically as the, literally as the data is being written, it gets piped off into two places. And then the second of which is the CDP copy. Do you consider, since we're talking about CDP, do you consider database level things like Oracle's data guard as CDP or exchange used to have something like, what was it called? CRR and all the rest where a write comes in and they forward over the log because that technically is CDP. That is, that is application level replication. It is not application level CDP because I don't think that with an active database that you can just go backwards in time. Yeah. I know that if it crashes, you can do you can do media recovery against it. But I don't think it's built. So I'll just say if that's built into it, then sure. Right. Yeah. But if it's just replicating the changes and doesn't have the ability to go back in time, then yeah. no. Right. It's not yeah. CDP. Because it is a with- very crucial aspect of CDP. Yeah. And one way to think about this is I know with databases, we think about redo logs, right? Which allow you to go forward in time. With CDP, you actually want undo logs, right? How do I go backwards in time from the most recent version on the target system? That's a really good point. And I don't think anybody calls them undo logs. (laughs) So everybody calls them either redo logs or transaction logs. No, I mean, in in the database. Oh, database. Yeah. Um, they, they call them redo logs or they call them transaction logs because the idea is that you you have a it allows you to have a, a backup, a traditional backup from this point in time and then use those logs to redo the transactions that yep. happened during that point in time and since that point in time. But the, with CDP, you are correct. The most important thing is to be able to go back in time, <laughs> which is not something that a typical database replication scenario is going to be able to do. Yeah. You mentioned the ability to go back in time. How far back in time should we be able to go with a CDP system? Depends on what your requirements are, right? I would say with the CDP system, it depends on what other environments or infrastructure you have. For instance, if you have backups, right, that you're taking periodically separately outside of the CDP system, your CDP system may only need seven days worth of data. So you can recover within those seven days at sort of a IO granularity, right? Or a record granularity, whatever we want to call it, right? Uh, but as long as you have that backup system, that's fine. Going back, say, 30, 90, or trying to replace your backup system with the CDP system is a little crazy because I think we need to talk about what's required on the target system or on the target side in order to handle CDP. Right. Because in order to be able to go back in time, I need much more storage at the target (laughs) side 
than I need at the primary side. Because if I'm doing 100 terabytes of storage and I'm, and I'm going to do CDP for that, how much do you think? Because realize at that target side, I need to store the 100 terabytes and every block that changes in that 100 terabytes during that day continuum yeah. the, that you've set. Yeah. And so that's why you would see sort of, and I think on the target side, we should probably differentiate depending on what technology, right? Your target system itself may not need all the extra space, but maybe that target appliance, which is dealing with these transactions coming in or these change blocks coming in, that might need to hold the space, right? Right. Uh, sort of as a log. And, and this is really, this problem right here is why CDP, I think, failed in terms of the dream of CDP. The dream yep. of CDP, because I remember meeting with CDP CEOs, and they were like, this solves everything, right? Uh, we can recover to any point in time. Why would you do it any other way? And the answer is cost. Yep. It's the cost it because... Was, yep. Yeah. Because the thing you have to think about is you have to store the data, right? Not only the metadata about what came in, the data that's there, but if these are undo, right, you also need to store what the previous data was as well, because you right. have to be able to go backwards in time. And so you have to store all of this information in that appliance. And some people say that you might have like a 2% change rate per day. That doesn't mean that that's 2% that's 2% over the entire day. But if you're adding up right. every single transaction, right, that might turn out to be like 5% actual change right. rate or yeah, 10%, remember, right? If you have anything, if you have a block of data, if we're talking about block level CDP here, which is generally what we're talking about, if a block changes multiple times during the day, you have to store every version of that block throughout the day. And uh, you're right. It could be a significant percent. And by the way, you have no idea what that number is <laughs> until you deploy CDP. Yep. Right. Yeah. The um, other and go ahead. The other thing I know you were just mentioning about sort of you don't know what you'll need until you deploy it. You also have to deploy it on pretty fast and expensive hardware because if you think about it, you're getting this constant stream of writes that you have to store and you have to replay down to your target storage location as well. And so your destination system might need to be beefier or the infrastructure required might need to be beefier than what you even have on your production, right? So going back to that cost aspect, mm. that starts to add up pretty fast. Yeah, this, we can go back to the episode on replication the synchronous and asynchronous aspect is, is important to understand here. So generally CDP will be done asynchronously. Do you remember synchronous CDP? I think there was one vendor who did it, but yes. Yeah. Okay. So you, you could do, but either, I, I think most people do it asynchronously. And the point is asynchronously is fine. Obviously your, your RPO won't be zero. It'll be something close to zero. But the problem with asynchronous is if the target system gets behind in those rights, at some point, you know, the buffer is getting back <laughs> at some Your point. Your back pressure is going to have to, yeah. Yeah. 
that's a good term, the back pressure. I like that, right? Yeah. You you will eventually have more rights in the buffer than the, the size of the buffer, which would then essentially it then becomes uh, synchronous, or you have to start dropping rights because yep, you which can't you, don't want you to can't do. be slowing down the primary system. So you'd end up having to dump the buffer, and you'd end up losing bits along the way, and that's just that's just that's not something yeah. that you would want to do. Yeah. Now, one of the benefits I would say, though, with the CDP-like approach is you can do the sort of CDP to dissimilar systems, right? So you might be going from like a NetApp to an EMC, or you could be going from a Pure to a Hitachi. So it gives you flexibility because the CDP Mm -hmm. applying software package, whatever else, just needs access to devices on both sides, right? It's doing all the replication. It's managing everything. So for cases where you're looking to deal with a different cost or availability of equipment, right? It is an option rather than sort of being locked into a particular vendor. Right. Most of the CDP vendors that I know uh, are, are independent of the storage, right? So you can use whatever storage you want on, on both sides. The, the thing is, I mean, we, we've been, we've been harping on it for a little bit, but I mean, the, the idea of CDP is amazing. The idea that I can just go back to any point in time is amazing. And I don't have to do anything special on the front end. Um, but it does come with these downsides. And so there were some things that happened over as CDP was deployed in more and more environments. Customers, I think, demanded certain features. One of them was this term called right coalescing. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So right coalescing is, I know, Curtis, you talked about before, where you had multiple changes to a single block that would happen. Uh and that's great. But at the end, when I need to replay something, I don't need to know all the versions, right? I could just say, look, just give me this version of the data. That's all I care about. And so being able to reduce down some of that data. So maybe instead of having every transaction for the last seven days, maybe for the last 36 hours, I have every transaction. And then after that, I'm going to coalesce rights down. So I have singular points in time rather than having every single point in time available to me. Because honestly, right, it, if it, I go back seven days, do I really care about this IO versus this IO? Right. Get, right. Like, how You'll do I even happy. find that point in time? You know, that's the biggest challenge yeah. as well. You'll be happy to have anything. So you could start with true CDP. You could you you could always replicate every change. The system holds on to a certain amount of, you know, all of the changes for a certain amount of time configurable by the customer. And then it starts coalescing and and saying, okay, we're just going to make sure we have all the blocks we need to represent this point in time. And you might go with hourly snapshots after they're not snapshots, but they're not snapshots in terms of what we traditionally think of as snapshots. There are points in time. So you have hourly points in time that you can recover. And then maybe you go to daily and, and even weekly. And that's where some CDP systems, that's what that's the way some CDP yeah. systems were trying to push out that amount of time that they could essentially Old replace data. the backup system. But even then, it, it, it's just <laughs> not, doesn't really think the way a, a regular backup system would. 
And so it still ends up storing a lot more data and just being more costly in general. Yeah. Yep. I know. I remember another challenge with CDP systems is with backup. I know we talk a lot about application consistency. Mm-hmm. Right, making sure I have a application consistent point in time that Oracle, for instance, can quickly recover, and I don't need to worry about media recovery and all the other processes. With right. CDP systems, a lot of them missed out. Now they've gotten better, but back then, none of them really supported application integration in a proper way. Yes, some would do VSS integration to allow you to do like poor man's backup. But for the most part, mm-hmm. they were CDP systems operate at an infrastructure level. And so it didn't have that capability that honestly, like as a backup person, you cared about the application more than the storage, right? You needed to make sure I had an application consistent backup that I knew was good that I could recover from. Yeah, exactly. One of the challenges is that you say, well, you give me infinite recovery points. Right. I just want one good one. <laughs> one point when I know that the database was on a consistent basis. So it was interesting. I know that a lot of the CD, a lot of the CDP products started integrating more with the database so that while they could still give you the infinite point, they could say, hey, we also put the database in backup mode at these yeah. points in time so that we know that that point in time is one that is truly consistent that you could uh, recover from. You, you could also use the other points in time, but we're giving you this one that we know yeah. for sure that it's good. It's special. And so, yeah, it's it's special, right? It's still not a snapshot, but it's a point in time when we can say that, uh, when we can say that we know we can recover to that point. Yeah. The, uh, what other thing about backup, right? I know we always talk about test your backups, test your backups, test your backups. CDP mm-hmm. becomes difficult to test in most environments. Unless you have a lot of additional space and storage, because you don't necessarily want to stop the copy being updated on the target side. So now the question becomes, how do I now spin up a separate copy with that particular point in time that I'm interested in so I can test and verify, is my Oracle database backup, right? Is that a good point in time or not? Exactly. Yeah, so it was like it gave you it gave you almost too much, right? <laughs> the, yeah. the thing that it gave you that nothing else could give you except for replication was that RPO of zero. Yep. But it did come with other op- it it came with other complications that you had to to deal with. It's like I often say in IT we never fix problems, we just move <laughs> them, right? So so we we solved one problem, we created we created some others. So the other thing I want to talk about is how the the how the data was stored on the target end. There are two ways, as I understand it, that data was stored on the other end. There were sort of two ways that the recovery system manifested itself. One was that there was a volume that we were continuously updating so that mm-hmm. if you needed to do a recovery, that volume was already replicated to the point in time, the, the most recent point in time that you wanted to restore to. And then it also had a log and the ability to undo that, uh, yep. that volume 
undo the changes through that volume so that you could take this this LUN, right, and bring it back in time. That was the one thing that was that was really cool. The the advantage to that method was that if what you wanted was right now, you had it immediately. Yep. If you wanted to go back a little bit earlier and the farther back you wanted to go, the more work had to be done. And so the longer the recovery took, but that uh, was the primary. I I think that was the the most common way CDP manifested itself. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned, that's a great opportunity because most of the times you're probably recovering to the latest or somewhere near the latest point in time. Rather right. than, hey, I need to go back, let me restore all my data from three weeks ago and now replay all my backups going forward, which leads right. to a much longer time to recover. Exactly. There, there was this other way where they didn't create the volume. that there, there was no volume that they were continuously updating. They essentially had all of the bits necessary to create the volume at any time. And then uh, I, I, this feels very NetAppy and, and right. Although, uh, and by that, I don't mean this is the way NetApp did. It's just, yeah. you know, the way with NetApp is, is a given snapshot is really just a bunch of pointers to blocks at a particular point in time. Right. Yeah. And then, so when you restore a volume to a particular point in time, all you're doing is moving all the snapshots what they're doing is they have all of the bits and pieces that are necessary to represent the volume at any point in time. And then you stitch it together. You just had to create all the pointers, right? Yep. There was no, there wasn't a restore so much as there was this, I, I don't know what to call it. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. I really need a whiteboard, I think, to, <laughs> to illustrate this method. The real advantage of this was that, the recovery time was always the same, regardless of whether or not you wanted to go to the most recent point in time or three weeks ago. Yep. Because you're just at that point, just manipulating pointers and metadata and not actually copying and restoring data. And I know that some of those systems, they also, we started talking, we started using this term copy data management when we started talking about yep. some of the systems because they could say, Hey, here's this, here's this volume from this point in time and from this point in time and from this mm-hmm. point in time. And you can have all three of them at the same time because <laughs> you could not do that. That was the other of the other method. You could not have the same volume at multiple points in time. This method uh, allowed you to have as many. No, you think you could? Th- 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 there are ways with newer technologies to get that. One method some vendors used was to update that copy, take a snapshot and present the snapshot out. Right? So that's one method. Now, not always the most optimal, but yeah. Right. Yeah, I was just thinking that like a single volume can't be presented at multiple points in time, but you're right. If you do a snapshot, then yes, you could do do exactly that. Yeah. But it's more management orchestration. Huh? I said, I wonder what vendor was really good at doing snapshots. So CDP, Continuous Data Protection, is uh, the system that allows you to have an RPO and an RTO of zero without the risk that you have with replication where where if you have the something bad happening to your primary data, 
uh, from a logical basis, you, you drop a table, you do something stupid, you get a cyber attack. The, it gives you that power that you had with replication, but it also gives you the power to be able to go back in time. So it gives you basically the best of both worlds. It gives you an infinite number of recovery points, but an infinite turns out might not. <laughs> not, not, not <laughs> well, I like it. Itty well, bitty living space. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. Um, See, you know where I was going. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it 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 turns out that infinite is is not as amazing as it seems. Infinite number of recovery points comes with its own challenges. But the biggest challenge I think with CDP is just cost. That very few people were comfortable with the cost of using CDP as their only data protection method for a given set of data. And so they would, what you would most commonly see is we're only going to use it for our most critical apps or we're going to use it, but we're also going to use a traditional backup because that's what we're, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm always on the lookout for something that can do, that can give me everything that I want. Give me that long-term retention to be able to go back when I realized that I did something stupid three months ago and also have an RPO and an RTO of, of close to zero. You want a unicorn. I, I want a unicorn, but there, there are, there are ways and we're going to talk yeah. about some of those ways to give you an RPO and an RTO way better than what we traditionally had without perhaps the cost and the, the downsides and the logistical challenges that CDP offered. I think in the end, it kind, there are CDP products and for certain applications, for certain environments, it's like the way to do it, right? It's just, I think what you're seeing is the complexities of this and the costs associated with this. This is why it's still a niche play and that's why there's only a handful of these products available out there. What do you think? I agree. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, for those of you that have always wondered what CDP is, now you know. And now you know why it didn't solve all problems <laughs> in data protection. But I, I would just say, if you want an RPO and an RTO of zero, and you don't want to have the issue with replication, right, which means right, we've already talked about the yep. If you don't want to have the issues that replication causes, then uh, CDP is really the only game in town. So hopefully this honest assessment of CDP will allow the very small percentage of you that need it <laughs> to know that sounds exactly like what I need. Uh, and with that, that's a wrap. The Backup Wrap-Up is a production of BackupCentral.com where you'll find my blog and a list of services I can provide. This is an independent podcast, and any opinions that you hear are those of the speaker and not necessarily any companies that they work for. We'll see you next week on the Backup Wrap-Up.